Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaosium. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc., that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Thank you for joining us again on another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I'm your keeper, Keeper Michael, and we return to Masks of Neonathotep in our Traveling to Kenya section. Uh, at the top of the show, as we like to do, we thank you, the listener, and especially you, the Patreon supporter. If you'd like to check out what we have to offer, you can. Patreon.com slash The Old Ways Podcast. We are encouraging you to listen to us over on YouTube or at least subscribe. As some of you recently responded to my tentacle request, uh, you'll know that when I ask people to subscribe on our YouTube channel, generally it's for something specific, uh, but hopefully you're enjoying all of our post-convention videos. And now, introductions begin to my right. This is Tiffany and I play Mabe O'Shea and there are snakes. There are, indeed. There are many. No one knows where they came from, but suddenly that doesn't matter as much anymore. Uh, to Miss O'Shea's right. This is Morgan. I play Lillian Lane and I got things to do and people to see. Yeah, you do, in fact, at the end of the table. This is Jacob. I play Jack Doyle. And um, what's with the snakes, man? <laughs> you keep her warm. They're her clutch. That they're cold blooded. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, sure. Uh, and to Jack's right. Uh, this is Lonnie, and I'm playing Robert Drummond. And what snakes? I haven't seen a snake in yet. <laughs> um, I didn't see anything. To Mr. Drummond's right. Hi, this is James, and I'll be I'll be playing Doctor Sigmund Tartenbach. And um, I personally thought that they were adorable little things. Yeah, I mean, uh, you connected with the green one uh, fairly quickly. And uh, last, most certainly not least. Uh, this is Alex playing saint Beron, and neither one of us is Jenny, who was the ship's cat aboard the Titanic. That's very true. Um, and so we're going to raise the curtain tonight in um, the room of, uh, or outside or near the quarters of uh, one Samarone, who is um, mustering up his, uh, we'll just say, feline parade. Well, yeah, I'm not really sure how how many cats might be on board. I mean, they're, they might be common, might be uncommon, but I figure the best way to draw them out is going to be with something um, stinky and bloody. Hmm, interesting. I'm thinking a beef liver, as as fresh as possible. How how has the staff generally been like as far as like amenability is concerned regarding passengers and you know what i don't really feel like politicking with them i think i'm just gonna steal it Mm, okay um so i would suppose give me a stealth roll and and based off of the stealth roll you should be able to procure from the kitchen what you need once again dice in hand this is such a good day with a two Oh, fantastic. Uh, so you managed to get into the kitchens and you find a fair, a fair sized piece of beef, several pieces actually, which are likely being laid out for dinner later tonight. So I'm not looking necessarily for, for the people cuts, but I will definitely take one of these delightful ones for myself. Uh, I'll take one for Mr. Truman too. It's, it's worth it. But primarily I'm looking for, for a, like a liver. I'm looking for organs if I can. Organ meat. Yeah, that'll work. Um, and then I will uh, retreat with it with a bag of fluids. And then I will uh, run back to my room to prepare them on a tarp. So what I'm basically doing is I'm, ju- I'm just making bait uh, out of these uh, this beef liver. And my plan is to find them or find find a trail of them. So either... I mean, if they've got to poop somewhere and they've got to eat something, 
Mm-hmm. So if I haven't seen any, I will track them down. Hmm. Okay. So you haven't seen any readily at this point. So why don't you give me a track roll and we'll go from there. And are you um, encouraging Mr. Drummond to help you or are you doing this a la solo? I, I would be encouraging him to come along and ask questions because I feel like, so even though I, I, I bombarded him a bit with, <laughs> with a deluge of information, so I didn't really give him a chance to process it. Um, plus, well, rituals are part of this whole deal. Uh, and gathering materials rituals is not always glorious work. So sometimes you need a copper pot and someone used to poop in it. Like you never know. Okay. I can certainly go with, I mean, I'm still not quite sure what I'll be doing, but okay. Well, right now we're just looking for cats. Um, so the components required for this ritual are, are, are a few, there's a few interesting tidbits. Um, I need a uh, some sort of image, some sort of representation of Bast. So uh, I know Jack has a statue that he seems to enjoy, seems to like um, in his possession that, that I'm going to borrow. I also need to make sure that the wherever it is, is dedicated to, well, cats. So whether it's their space or some sort of shrine, I'm not going to try to build a shrine to Bast on the ship. So just as well, if there's a place where they congregate, um, that might work. And a sacrifice. And a sacrifice. Don't worry, you're not the sacrifice. (laughs) (laughs) That's not what I'm worried about here. Uh, Oh, okay. Oh, you weren't worried? Man, I would have been. You're very trusting. I have a feeling that if you would have sacrificed me, you would have made sure that I wasn't up and able to resist before you did that. I don't think talking about how I would sacrifice you is going to do either one of us any good. So let's just not bring that up again. (laughs) If we could avoid it. Yeah, cats. Your travels take you down into the belly of the ship again. And they do so because you find a tiny little path on some of the walkways here, the stairways that lead up and down on the different levels of the ship, you find um, trace amounts of uh, paw prints. You eventually work your way uh, to a lower section in the back half of the ship, and by your sort of geospatial, you know, where things line up on the ship, you realize that it's This stairway is the closest stairway to the galley. Um, And so you're, Sam, in your mind, you're sort of imagining the path that some of these cats might be taking. To get to the galley. Yeah. So you get to, they, they veer off one specific space and you find something that is sort of fitting and it it gives you a bit of a chuckle. Um, You find a very uh, small, saucer here bereft of any uh, fresh milk inside of it because it's all been used Uh, but it sits outside someone's door Hmm. so it seems they're being tended to that's good does it does the door have anything on it is it a room like is it a is it a is it a a guest room Uh, it does appear to be a guest room it's closed right now it is I will uh is Drummond, Drummond still with me? Unless he decides not to be. I'm just following along because whatever this ritual is, I don't know it. So I guess we'll see what they know. Uh, I will gently tap on their door. A couple of moments later, the door opens and you see a uh, elderly woman who uh, seems to be uh, in a I guess a, it's not fancy by any means, but there's, she's in a, a, a dress and has her hair up and in her hands and her arms is a very large tabby cat. Good afternoon to both of you. I hope I'm not disturbing you. Uh, I, I'm also a guest on board the ship. My name's Sam. Oh, uh, hello, Sam. Uh, this is my, uh, my friend, Robert. Is it, um, Samuel? 
Just Sam. Oh. Hello, Robert. Uh, hello. We couldn't help but notice the uh, the dish outside your room, and I'm guessing the owner is, is being cradled currently. Oh. <laughs> oh, one of many. She gives the cat a few almost... Um, we'll just say vigorous pets sure does it seem disturbed um no it seems we'll say indifferent yeah um no oh so so you have guests often oh oh yes yes we we play um rich with the cats (laughs) no no i I do tend to uh, attract uh, several of them while I'm on board. Uh, this is the second or third time. I I, I pick this room every time because um, Walter here uh, enjoys the view. Hi, Walter. Yeah, it's a, it's it's pretty. It's a bridge, you say? Hmm, bridge. You know. Uh... Fancy myself quite the bridge player, and I don't know. I've, I don't know if Robert is a gaming man, but I feel like maybe you could sh- teach us a thing or two. It's definitely possible if you're um, game. I, I love bridge. Oh well, um, I I do have an afternoon game coming. Uh, there's a couple of uh, friends aboard here that will be. Uh, assisting me with uh, getting through the day. Okay, great. Um, Walter, does, is, he the, is he the only cat that comes by this dish? No, um, there are a few other kitties around I've seen. Great. Well, I, uh, you know, I, I think we might, we, might, uh, we might be able to check in on that, that game of yours. It sounds, it sounds delightful, if, if it's not intruding. Robert, this cat won't quit, quit eyeing you. Walter continues to look at you. I will uh, look back. And <laughs> I don't know how to deal with cats. <laughs> you know what, though? Walter knows that. You can tell that he senses that you have no idea how to deal with cats. And what Walter does in response is stare at you. I'm going to... Shuffle back a little bit behind Sam. Um, Sam, you watch Walter. You watch Walter's eyes follow Mr. Drummond as he gets behind you. And then Walter looks at you like, what the hell is his problem? (laughs) I will. I will. I will give Walter kind of an open mouthed uh, smile. And, uh, you know, I. I. To be totally fair, um, I'm very, I'm very fond of cats. Uh, it's, it's again, it's the reason I knocked on your door. Um, I was actually hoping to find some on board so I could give them some treats. And uh, Walter looks like it's the, it's the thing he needs right now. So I'll go ahead and uh, reach into the basically like the little pocket that I have of meat blood, <laughs> and I will drop a couple nuggets of liver. Uh, into the, the dish there. Yeah, Walter hops out of this lady's hands and makes his way very quickly to the bowl. Oh. Uh, I will continue kneeling at, kneeling at the bowl and kind of like, I haven't really pulled my hand away. My, my finger's kind of like on the dish. Uh, I'm not touching mm-hmm. the food, but um, when I feel his when I feel his whiskers, I'm going to whisper to him. Okay. I know this is bad timing, but I need to find her. I need your I need your help. And to draw his attention, um, I will kind of reach my hand into the bag again. And when he looks at me, I'm going to plead with him as best as okay. I can. I give him my my best, my best forlorn kitten look to Walter. So I realize that this is happening between you and this lady's cat, but I have to wonder. Does he think it's at all possible, maybe, that Mr. Drummond may see you do this? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, just a, it's a whisper, right, at a cat. It's, it might look like I'm kind of cooing, but... I'm going to 
I see what he's doing. And so I immediately decide to um, ask um, the cat's owner about Bridge because, well, I want to distract her from looking at him talking to her cat. (laughs) And I don't know much about Bridge either. I know a little bit, but, you know. She brightens right up. Yep. You've never played it? I, I've seen it played. I, I, I've never sat at a table um, where I um, went to school. Uh, foursomes were usually planned long in advance. and uh, mm. Well, it is important to, um, to plan things out. It's a game of planning, really. And um, it's, uh, some might say it, it helps uh, keep one sharp. Yeah, basically, I would like to fast talk, distract her long enough for him. I think it's a fantastic opportunity for you to fast talk her. I am going to push that roll because I failed that with an 83 over 65. Oh, I think it's a fantastic idea for you to push this roll. How would you like to push it, Robert? I would like to um, step forward a little bit and um, raise my voice as if I'm excited about the idea or, (laughs) you know. She's she's a bit older, you know. Sure. Maybe, maybe her hearing's bad. Maybe. Oh, thank God. Ot seven. Ooh, fantastic. <laughs> That's a critical success for your role. Now, uh, what I'll do is I will make a role for her. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, you step up a little bit and just sort of escalate your voice and try to connect with her mm-hmm. just to buy Sam's a little bit more time. And you begin to get some strange signals from her. She seems suddenly to lock in on what you're saying and she seems to to nod and she starts smiling at you and then smiling a little bit more and you begin to dig deeper into the game of bridge. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's certain that you'll pick it up very quickly and she'd really be interested in playing with um, some sharper players or, or, uh, people who could potentially learn and be very good at the game. And she thinks that you'll be great at it. Well, I, this is a woman who is really looking for someone to bring in as a ringer for a bridge game, or she's uh, incredibly interested in the uh, Drummond in front of her. What's your appearance, Ms. Drone? Uh, well, my, my appearance is 85. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> so rock fucking Hudson just showed up at her door yeah. and wants to play bridge with her. Mm-hmm. Good job on your extreme success. Even the good roles have consequences, my friend. <laughs> okay. So for you, Sam, Walter in- visually engages with you and you hear from Walter's body almost a sigh. Not of relief per se, but of not exhaustion, but some sort of sigh. And his he begins to purr a little bit. And you get impressions from that, sensory impressions, that there are others here and that if you leave food and milk outside this door, they'll collect around it later tonight. Uh, I will uh, take my hand out of the bag that I had and drop the drop a nice another slab on the platter I'll just I'll just be grateful. Um, I don't know if Katniss really cares. So, what I'm assuming at this point, and I don't I don't know how long this takes really, because once once like once Sam commits to to, to engaging with Walter, like the conversation pretty much evaporates. Like the 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 concerns about Bridge and the lady at the door, and even Robert just kind of fade. <laughs> um, so. Probably just kind of try to kind of kind of just kind of recollect himself. Yeah. Take take in the situation as it stands and see how things are faring and whether he has to explain to this person why uh, he was just so interested in her cat. Yeah. Uh, it's sort of mystifying when you stand back up. Robert is being uh, he's going through a small sort of in- inquisition, perhaps. That's maybe a tough word. Uh, but the lady at the door seems to be very interested in his uh, home life, what he does for a living, um, and where he's from. She's asking a lot of very um, generally personal questions. 
they seem to have stopped talking about bridge at all. You know, I actually have some things I have to take care of back at the room. Why don't I, I leave you to it? And when you're ready to uh, go over what we've learned in our studies today, we can make time. And I will saunter backwards and pirouette my way out of their uh, immediate space. And as I do so, I won't make eye contact with Robert as much as I will give her a affirming nod. It's a good thing you don't make eye contact. <laughs> <laughs> and you can definitely hear Sam humming some sort of dancing waltzing tune as he goes down the hallway. <laughs> okay, uh, so I guess I will ask you, Robert, are you going to continue the ruse or... Well, I mean, I know that she said it was this afternoon that they wanted to. Mm -hmm. So I will uh, shortly after find a way to wind down the conversation and say, I really should go make sure he doesn't get lost. Um, well, it's part uh, of the reason I was with him in the first place. If, if you're going to play, though, you're going to need to learn how the game works. This is true. This is true. Bridges um, is, uh, uh, it can be um, tactically important to understand how the game works. I will um, mentally resign myself to this, uh, and uh, I will keep a side eye on the goddamn cat while I'm at it. Pardon my language. <laughs> she shows you inside to a table that she has set up. Walter comes inside after that, and we will um, close the close the veil a little bit on this section of the scene and head back out into the ship beyond. Okay, so, Doctor... Yeah. Um, you have a mantra that you'd picked up from a guru in Ceylon. I'm wondering what you're, you're choosing to do with it. Well, step one, Doc is really getting his the meditation of, with the mantra down. He's using it to, when he takes it back to his room, or he goes back to his room, he sets himself into a meditative state before and he uses the mantra to focus mm -hmm. and uh, see if that helps him access the realms that he will need to access to help Jack a little easier. Okay. All right. So I'll ask you, uh, are you going to attempt to access those dreamlands with this mantra or? Yes, I will. I will take the next day after after we leave port of Ceylon uh, or a day, the day after that, you know, depending on just what happens mm -hmm. on the ship, but I will take a day and make it a focused, concerned effort because I want to get it right when I have to bring Jack with me. Okay. I'll say it's fairly simple for you to be able to, to memorize this mantra. Uh, it is five lines you're seeking to be free from inner and outer harm. You're seeking that the spirit be happy and peaceful and that that help health be extended to from without you, the light within yourself to those around you. And you work through a, this sort of loving and kindness prayer and it, it runs into this, this, this sort of same mantra of being able to uh, send that energy out to those around you and after working with it for probably about an hour you feel like uh, you have the gist of the energy that's needed to project yourself out all right well then um with a rush i or with a exhalation of breath i let myself slip out for a little while we're gonna take a walk about on the ship okay you take a walk about Yep, I want to go specifically, I want to see if I can find Jack and take a look at him and see if there's anything visually I can inspect while I'm there to give me some pre-knowledge. I'll ask, I guess, then, Jack, what are you up to? Uh, I, I don't know what time of day it is. I was either uh, helping uh, Lillian practice her brawling yeah, or, you know, I resting. Think, I think it's reasonable to say that maybe you and Lillian are doing... Um, you're probably working through stances and and uh, 
working on general pugilism when the, the doctor arrives. Okay. We're sparring. Do they see me in the... Like, do they see me, see me, or... No, I'll say right now they're engaged a bit, so... Okay. Um, I'll, I'll hang back and I will watch them. I will see the interplay between them as they... Uh, as they are currently engaging in faux fisticuffs, as it were. After a few, we'll say probably about five minutes of watching them go back and forth, you can tell that, you know, Jack is trying to, uh, a few more advanced maneuvers with Miss Lane, and she seems to be picking up some of the teaching he's giving. Seems to be your fairly effective teacher there, Jack. Oh, thank you. Uh, she's a good student. And as he says that, I sweep the leg. <laughs> he lands on his back. Uh, you seem to have fallen and perhaps broken your um, pride, Jack. Would you need a hand? <laughs> yeah, uh, I've broken that many times. I know. I've patched <laughs> it up most of the time, Jack. What can I do for you, d- doctor? <laughs> well, I've... I've um, I wanted to talk to you, Jack, and I suppose Lillian... You would probably be the the other best person to have here. I have an idea about your condition, Jack. And it's a little unorthodox, but as Lillian can test, it is fairly effective. I get this puzzled look on my face because I don't think I've heard about Jack's ailment. It hasn't been mentioned to me. No. So... What's going on with Jack? Oh, I, I've just been feeling under the weather since uh, the island. Let's say he has caught a little bug, and I have been running some medical tests, if you will, upon him. That is, is, is my practice to do so, you know. I get this doubtful look on my face. Mm. So, Doctor, what can I do to help Jack with this bug? Well, <laughs> Jack... Doc levels a look at Jack and then over at Lillian and back to Jack. I can think of no other people, uh, no other persons that I would trust to do this, Jack, than Lillian. And, but if we are going to do that, she's going to have to know. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, uh, Lillian, I have a... Uh, an issue that has come up since uh, my time in the Dark Mistress. Doc's kind of gently and almost subconsciously ushering them off of the deck and toward, back towards the quarters. Oh, what kind of condition? Well, um, uh, to put it frankly, I, I'm somewhat concerned that I might uh, be turning into one of those fish people. My face does not hide my disgust whatsoever. So, can we fix this, Doctor? Because... That is what I'm hoping. I have... I have sought the wisdom of a holy man, and he has given me some insight into how what I believe is going to be a cure. But Jack, like all cures, and especially the ones that I have found to be most effective recently, it is not without danger and not without cost. Well, uh, I don't see that I have any other choice. Well, I mean, you do have a choice. You could go back to school. And he gestures to the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor, that is not... That is just... that. That's a little funny. But it's not funny. Okay, just tell me what needs to be done, Doctor. Doc comes in and closes the door. Make yourself as comfortable as you can here, Jack. Uh, Lillian, you as well. You may recognize some of this already. Hmm. Is it a setup that I, I've been previously involved in? Yes, this is very similar to the setup previously, yes. <sighs> again? You have a better idea? Oh, I have no ideas. Other than I, well, then, again, yes. Now, get comfortable. Do you need your robe? No, I'll be fine. I... Um, Can I get either of you a drink or a mild sedative? Hmm. Can I get some whiskey? dole out a few libations and anything else to help them uh, get their relax on. And then Doc attempts to use some of his hypnotic techniques that he has picked up. Ooh, okay. 
Hey, uh, Doc, are you going to go poking around in my head? No, Jack. I will not go poking around in your head. You will go poking around in your head. I will just be there to help out. Okay. I'm ready. Oh, you're not. Doc uh, holds up a necklace and begins to twist it back and forth in the the lamplight of the room so that it makes many little sparkles and glints and begins to talk Lillian and Jack down into a hypno into a hypnotic state a trance state and uh, joins them if possible okay so here's what you're going to do for me doctor you are going to make a power roll and Jack and Lillian are going to make opposed power rolls obviously doctor you are at advantage because you have a pulp talent that gives you advantages on power rolls. I got a 32 under 65. That okay. is a hard on the nose. It is. I got a 32 out of 50. Okay. Ooh, I got a 35 out of 50. Ooh. Ooh, fantastic. So he has a hard success versus both of you. Uh, and so the doctor begins to speak and he has you focus on certain things. Uh, And the light that I guess begins to make some sort of rhythmic pattern and the sound, the pitch at which his voice begins to resonate at in your ear, it, it causes your whole head to start to vibrate very light at the edges at first of your perceptions. He draws you in towards the sound of his voice. He slowly melts the rest of the room away in your perception where only his voice matters. It is the sole thing that you're focusing on. And you continue to focus on his speech pattern and things that he's saying, asking you to concentrate on certain parts of this necklace as it shines through the light in the room. And just as before for you, Miss Lane, you're suddenly not in the space that you were This space around you is um, a little darker. You're at a table. Overhead, there seems to be a dim chandelier light. Everything outside of 10 feet or so is just less than important in your brain, Jack. Which is a little hard at first for you to accept because you're so naturally um, perceptive but there isn't anything there for you to perceive doctor you arrive with your patients at a table a table you've seen before one you've set uh, this with uh, different people at it Uh, but they have arrived and so have you and now the work may begin all right Welcome, Jack. And of course, Lillian. Um, Welcome and have a seat. Make yourselves comfortable here as well. Although comfort is very relative here. He looks around the darkness. It is quite dark in here, Jack. Yeah, where where are we? Well, that's a very good question. Where are we, Jack? I don't know. I don't think I've ever seen this place before. Hmm. Why don't you see if you can find a door while I see if I can find something to make a bit of light. And um, Lillian, if you could um, perhaps help Jack find um, an exit from this room while I try to make some illumination. Okay. At least we're not in a tent. A tent? Mm, That's a different, that's a long story. Or, Or a short story. We were in a tent last time. Last time? You know what? Yeah. Not not here, not now. Look for a door. Hey, there's a door. You turn around at the far end of the room. There's a a door there. Wood, uh, half of it, frosted glass, the other half. You've seen this door before. My office door? This looks like your office door. Oh. Now, see this, I recognize. Ah, wunderbar. Doc comes up with an oil lantern. See illuminated on it. Your partner's name. Your name. Hmm. 
been a while since I've seen those two names on there. All right. Uh, do I go through? Doc Chester's. All right. It's your office, Jack. I, I don't see why you wouldn't. Let's see what's inside, shall we? Yeah. Miss Lane. Miss Lane. Uh, he gestures for Lillian to go first. Dates first, of course. Oh, no, 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 no. This is not my party. No, I'll go first. You go second. That, that is perfectly fine. Jack, you open the door? Yeah. So you and uh, Michael had this office for many years. Uh, when you open the door, you find something a little stranger than you were expecting. Your office is here. But when you step into this space, uh, there's water here up to mid-calf. And there's movement to it. Like it's got a tidal churn. There's folders, you know, half open, sitting in the, in this open water. Uh, your chair is in the corner over there and it's sort of half floating uh, your desk hasn't been completely capsized or covered by the water but you can tell that there's there are papers there that may have been rained on there's no rain currently in here but this is a little strange of a sight to even see yeah I mean, especially because my uh, office is on the second floor I can't say I like what you've done with the place Jack yeah, maybe there's a pipe burst. Don't think you're getting your cleaning deposit back. <laughs> Let's find out where the water is coming from, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. You slosh through the office. You feel the the flow of the water, and that's one of the more concerning parts. Like, it moves you around as you try to move through it. Um, eventually, you both begin to localize it to a coat closet nearby. Uh, I'll open up the closet. You open up the closet. Um, inside the closet, no water, right? It seems to stop at the threshold of the doorway. S laying on his side in your closet is your partner. He's been brutally stabbed. Yeah, I've seen this before too. Doc kneels down and examines the wounds on his partner. All right. You kneel down, take a look at the five, maybe six stab wounds that this man is currently ailing from. He's bleeding out here in the closet. They're kitchen knife size, chef's knife specifically. Hmm. Jack, I, I don't want to poke an old wound apparently, but is, is this how it happened? Yeah. Yeah. He bled out on the floor right here in the office. Uh, you you never speak of it, and I can see why now. But perhaps you have to ask yourself, Jack, why is this memory? Hmm? Probably because I could never solve it. Perhaps it is something that ties you to your old life. And um, it is part of who you are, a, a core piece of you, Jack. This water intruding upon it, eh? it's fairly telling, yeah? Yeah, there seems to be some kind of a uh, symbolism here. Jax, this place is all symbolism, wouldn't you say, Miss Lane? Yes, this is not real. But just because it is fantasy does not make it not real. It is just as real. And I think it is where you are sick, Jack. Doctor, it is interesting that the um, stab wounds that uh, this man who received do seem to, in some portion, correlate with where Jack's um, nausea flares at the most. Jack, uh, look closely at here. And I know you have had this memory a thousand times, and it is extremely painful, but really look. Are, are these the wounds hmm, that he had? So Keeper Mike, is are, mm. are they uh, the same wounds, or is it different it is a little different um the first three of these stab wounds make a very strange pattern the first one is long and very deep the second one is adjacent just off that 
first cut as if the person who stabbed him came in and then Michael either moved or the knife got flipped because the second one stabs at an almost vertical angle. And then the next stab wound is just, just off that first, the, the, the next stab wound, the third one is just off that second one, a little higher up. And then there's a couple of other ones nearby as well. They do seem to all chain off of that first big stab wound. Yeah, no, this is, this is different. See how, uh, they kind of, uh, all radiate out from this one stab wound here. Yeah. Does that stab wound there, does that seem to be a familiar area to you, Jack? So would that be where the, uh, the spear got me? It isn't where the harpoon hit you actually, but when you get nauseous, it is dead center where you hurt. Okay. Yeah. That's, uh, that's where my nausea comes from. Interesting. Mm. Doc looks in that wound on the body. <laughs> Very good. Doctor, roll me a cult. I absolutely will. Four under 45. Oh, wow. You see a pattern here, Doctor. There's a very long wound in the center. There are several other stab wounds off of this long central wound. It's a symbol you've seen before. On some of um, Miss, in some of Miss O'Shea's books, it, it's a it's some sort of tree branch or some sort of um, some sort of etching. But Do th- I know of a binding symbol? Uh, probably you probably would know of a. I would say mundane binding symbol. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Hmm. Doc starts by putting that symbol around the body. Okay. It's all thought power, so he inv- I'm willing to invest uh, 2 MP directly into it. Oh, well, that's not the way that works. Uh, oh. <laughs> nice try. <laughs> um, you're going to invest MP, so yes. I'm going to have you invest uh, 6 MP. Okay, that's fair. focus your, at, on this side of the, um, the curtain your exceedingly powerful will into shaping something. So for the the two of you who are not focused intently on that, what you see is the entire closet get ringed in fire. That seemingly for the moment does not burn anything. You hear the crackle and hiss of the flames. They encompass your partner's body. And you start watching the doctor press his hands against this against the the closet wall and then he starts reciting something it's repetitive over and over it's some sort of chant but it's nothing like you ever heard at church Jack and you start feeling that nauseous feeling again erupts inside your your stomach doc does not stop but instead essentially turns up the juice and uh kind of gestures as much as he can without breaking his concentration to lillian just kind of with an offhand thing while he's doing what he's doing he's gesturing to you you lillian (laughs) could be any sort of gesture like to you and towards jack like as in go that way that's he doesn't want to even take his eyes off of what he's doing at the moment but this is if he could talk he'd be like this is half of why you're here (laughs) i go over to jack and i kind of lead him towards like a chair to sit down if there's a chair available there is you sit down in your office chair sloshed in water this is so odd this is your this is your office in Chicago. Yeah, I mean, it's a little drier than this, but I would hope so. You cough, Jack, pretty hard. <coughs> Lillian, when he pulls his hand away from his mouth, there's blood on his fingers. Oh, I, I yell over the doctor. 
Doctor, we have blood coming out of his mouth. Work faster. I will work as fast as it ha- as fast as I can, Delian. <laughs> not rush, good science. This is not science. It's all science. <laughs> it's pretty fucking far from science. Doctor, your hands, your hands and fingers go black, smooth, black texture. Can I? Oh, I I don't want to shift right now because I'm still having to do really delicate work that means that I still have to give two shits about Jack. Is there a way I can resist? I'm sure you can attempt to. Okay. Uh, You can roll contested pow. Okay. You hear the surgeon's voice in your ear. I can take it. I can remove it. Just give me control. 42 under 65. Yeah, you you beat him. You have control still. Doc grits his teeth, continues to try to bind and burn whatever is in this wound as much as he can. He knows that it's, its powers come from somewhere else, and he's using, in quotes, local powers, if you will. Mm-hmm. You know, local energy, but he's hoping he can at least cleanse the wound with it. Okay, so, Doctor, it's going to cost you 2d6 MP to burn this out. I'm going to roll that. And roll it. You, you understand that if I exhaust you from MP, I will take HP. Yes, you will. Okay. I am willing to burn through the nose, yes. Or eyes, you know, however. Okay, very good. Uh, it costs you seven additional MP. I am at zero, sir. Very good. You are unconscious. And the room and the water and everything around you, Miss Lane, and you, Jack, vanish. And you are back in the doctor's room around that table. And he is lying on the floor, bleeding from the nose. Unconscious. I run over to, I rush over to him. Yeah, I do too. I take out my handkerchief Mm -hmm. from, yeah, and I start like blotting around his face. Doctor. Jack, your shirt's wet on your stomach. I uh, check it out. You have blood all over you on your shirt. I open up my shirt. You see that there is a perfect line across your stomach as if you had a surgical scar there. You've never had it before. All right. That's really freaking me out. Roll sand. (laughs) A seven under 50. So Jack, you'll lose a point of sanity from that. That's totally unnatural. You have no idea how that happened. Uh, Doctor, you sit up like a bolt after being smacked the second time. You have a massive headache. Oh. Oh. I don't like being awake right now. (laughs) Did it work? Well, what do you think about this? That looks like you're going to have a scar. (laughs) Doc wipes the blood away from his nose and possible other head orify reaches over and pokes the scar and the area behind the scar where Jack would have the pain. Man, how do you feel, Jack? Like I'm being poked. But you don't feel nauseous anymore, Jack. I'd feel better. Yeah, I I think it might have worked. Well, then it considers the operation a success. Now, I don't, um, I'm not feeling so well, guys. So if you don't mind, I'm going to take a little nap now. Let's get you into bed. Yeah, if I'm thinking, yeah. You get Sigmund into bed. Maeve, are you doing any more uh, spell research that we should be aware of? I mean, the collective we. No, probably not. Because I got to save some of my sanity so I can actually cast spells. Hmm. Good thought. So. Okay. So what are you doing with the couple hundred snakes that you've acquired? Oh, probably ordering dinner for all of us. Oh, it's a big dinner plate. Okay, so you have to make room, of course, for the staff to bring food in. Oh, they can leave it outside the door. I'll get it. Oh, will you? Okay. It goes without saying probably that when you open the door and get the food, the the fair amount of food that's there, some of the snakes do decide to take a, we'll just say a walkabout because it's a new place for them. You'd be like, no, 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 you can't, you can't go They eventually listen, of course. Um, And you 
dine with your family of snakes within the room there for a little while. And you get the intense feeling that something odd is going on. You're not compelled to investigate it by any means, but there's something at your perceptive level that seems a little strange about this boat right now. Hmm. Does it feel like it's near, nearby, or it's like the whole boat in general? No, the balance is off here. Feels like different cooks in the kitchen. Okay. I will uh, keep an eye on that. So if it's something I have to correct, I will. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll also explain to them that we are going to Kenya, so that's where they can go be free. So that, like, maybe they stay here. Because if they get out on the boat, somebody might not like them, and then they could be harmed. Fantastic. Um, they curl up with you, and your clutch of snakes continue to, we'll say, marinate for the moment. Sam... Your um, decision to put out the feeding at the right hour is uh, an important play. You're going to end up attracting some cats. In the meantime, um, there were some other things I needed to acquire anyway. So I will, if I am confident in Walter, and I am, I have to make sure that I am ready. Because um, I'm sure that they don't appreciate if you show up and you don't have your shit together. So... Um, I will continue my crime spree while um, Robert continues to learn how to play the game. Yeah, just a really quick note on that before we continue with you, Sam. I just want to make a couple things clear to you, Mr. Drummond. You do with this information what you will, sir. Two facts become readily evident. One, this woman is a fantastic bridge player. Mm -hmm. Two, there is no scheduled bridge game. Well, um... Hmm. I'll leave you there. So, Sam, um, <laughs> what other things do you have to uh, acquire? Well, I'm going to need perfume. Lots of it. Okay. And um, I'm going to need to find an instrument that a simpleton could play. So, whether it be a drum or something, something that something that can shake, like something that can shake or jangle a bell. Something very simple. Hmm. I'm not looking for like a clarinet or a saxophone, you know? Okay. Yeah, but I'm looking for things for, for some things and a copper bowl. Okay, copper bowl, no problem. We'll say that you are able to locate a clarinet. Oh, great. Awesome. And uh, booze. Also easy to get. Yeah. So I load up my my bag with uh you know perfume and booze and toys and whatnot and i assuming that that things are you know going as planned i would i would go check on jack to see if he's around to loan me the statue or to come with me no it's seemingly he's not i don't know i don't i mean uh, considering what i just heard and <laughs> i don't know what's going on yeah. so i would go check on jack uh jack is not in his quarters well, you know what? Crime doesn't stop here. I'm going to steal Jack's statue. That's fantastic. Um, okay, so you swipe his um, kitten. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't using it anyways. I leave a note. Okay. It just says, sorry, S. That's killing words right there. Stole Jack's stuff. His statue even. If I haven't heard from Robert yet, I'm assuming that bridge is going great. So here's the... Here's the thing, Sam. You, you swipe the Jack's cat statue and you instantly realize something. It is not a cat statue. It's a statue of Bast. Oh, I stop. Like you'd never put the, you've never seen it up close enough to really get like a, a solid look at it. But this is actually Bast, not just some cat. I was, yeah, I always thought it was just a cat statue. Yeah, that probably floors me. All right. Yeah, I, I walk out of the room. Probably from slower than I came in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely slower than you came in. And I will treat this thing with the utmost respect. Like when I go to toss it in my bag, I stop. And I just, I just kind of hold on to it. Mm-hmm. You hold on to it, but you, you do do head out. Yeah. You don't hear 
any word from Robert? And if I walk by his room and I don't, I'll give, I'll give it a tap to see if he's reading alone. And it, again, if I don't, if I don't hear anything, then I will assume um, either the worst has transpired or, you know, not the worst. Your cat lady ate him. Well, whatever happened, Sam will never know. <laughs> <laughs> you come out smelling like catnip. Yeah, I'll know. <laughs> The the last place I the last place I end up then is in front of that room with the dish. And there you are. And I will make a mess. Okay. Because I, I want them to know that I'm in business. So they get the rest of the liver. Mm. And like I'll let it, you know, kind of spill over the bowl and onto the floor and just kinda of let it pool. Yeah, I mean there are a lot of different ways to summon animals, but you pick a very potent one. And it doesn't take long to get any sort of reaction because animals smell things a lot differently, especially when they're hungry. And they begin arriving shortly. It's subtle at first. Most of them play around the edges a little bit, different corners, some weight. Others are far more bold. They come immediately to those bowls and eat. I will, I will treat them with the same kind of, you know, that deference slash respect that I treated Walter. So I, the ones that come to the bowl will, 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 will end up touching me at some point, um, via whisker or nose. But, um, I make sure that I meet all of them. Yeah, it's easy. Um, over a period of time, uh, you meet, uh, roughly seven to eight cats in the next 30 minutes different shapes sizes colors no eventually all of them do really there's a the lone holdout is the the black cat that sits at the edge of the light here and watches sort of all of its other brethren eat um for the you know first 90 percent of the time and the one once eventually it seems like everything is okay. It slowly moves in. It stays at the outer edge of all of them. It is the hardest one to actually for you to meet. I will. I will do it. The uh, I will do it. The service of not making eye contact with it until it's eaten. Okay. It's also the largest here. Seems the most well fed. But yeah, you meet them all. So as they kind of eat, I will produce the statue. They look at it. So where now? Where do you go? And I will wait. And I will follow them. Okay. Um, you follow them eventually through a couple of corridors on the ship. And they tuck into some places that you physically will have to be a little bit more creative to get through. They have gaps in walls that are... <laughs> That seemingly there's no way they can fit through, but somehow they find a way. Get them behind uh, into the hold. And it, it does take a bit of, uh, we'll just say, uh, athletics on your part to get into some of these spaces. I'm going to have to find my own entrance, right? Or make it. So One of the two. Yeah. I try not to make a mess of things. Yeah. I mean... It's all relative. Um, you seem to be outside the scope of the prying eyes of most of the people on the ship. Somehow people haven't seen you walking through the passages and they haven't paid attention to you as you somehow fed and befriended several felines. Um, but you get into a small storage area and you can smell the, well, what cats smell like when they live in a space just like any other this, mammal this will do I don't I don't light a candle or a fire or anything I'm assuming it's dark here yeah it's fairly dark there are there's on uh, there's not a light overhead but there is a light nearby the door that seems half burned out um, it gives them just enough light and you just enough light uh, to see things without being obstructive or um trouble to sleep near 
Well, I appreciate you all coming. Let's hope I don't make a mess of things, eh? Uh, and I will begin quietly unloading everything. Um, I take the bowl and I place it in front of the statue. Um, I take the time to disrobe. I have the sack with the uh, reptile in it. Um, well, the double the, <laughs> the double burlap bag um, filled with you know, angry angry snake. And um, the only other thing I'm carrying is um, the machete. Okay. Which I will remove from its scabbard and, and place on the ground as well. Um, what did I find? You said I found a clarinet. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to make noise. Okay. Are you going to make a joyful noise? I don't know what kind of noise I make with a clarinet. I've never played the clarinet before, but I'm also getting trashed. I will douse myself in the various perfumes that I've stolen. Um, and as one could hope to only have such a captive audience, uh, I'm going to play and dance and sing for these cats. Okay. And that's how I'm going to start. As I get absolutely just destroyed. Um, because I was hoping to share this with Jack, so I'm drinking for both of us. Mm. Fair enough. Uh, you get completely smashed and perform uh, in a, a strange and um, really even unknowable way to you, to a group of uh, seven to maybe eight felines. Um, I'd like you to make an appearance roll to see how this goes. Unless you have music, art music clarinet. Uh, I do not. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I do not. No, I do not. I do not know how to play the clarinet. I have, I have effort. Is what I have. Maximum effort. Maximum effort. All right. So that is a fifty-two over my forty-five appearance. So I would like to spend seven luck mm -hmm. to make that a success. Okay. I, I do something resembling playing the clarinet. Right. I do my best. Um, and after I have exhausted myself um, to, you know, the point of passing out, um, I will drop to my knees and attempt to collect myself. And I will, I will attempt to speak to the room and to the statue and to Bast. What would you say? In this dark, this dark hour, I come before you, Bast, as a hunter of the horrors that plague this world. I seek your guidance, your strength. This creature, I will, I'm going to open the sack and I'm going to grab that snake by the neck. This poisonous reptile represents the darkness, the insidious influence of these cults and with every hunt I return with less of my soul by this act I surrender the darkness inside me I relinquish the poison that threatens to consume me and as I release this creature and its toxin I implore you to transmute it into hope and strength and I will lift the machete and I will split that thing open and spill it into the bowl. Okay. Easy enough. Blade parts the creature simply and easily. There's a gratifying feeling for emptying the essence of it into the bowl. There is a feeling in the room that there are eyes here that you cannot see who are watching. And one by one, all of the cats in the room turn their facing to face the statue. And you watch 
their tails begin to twitch back and forth in time. And I think we'll get an opportunity to hear what happens next time. And so thank you for joining us on this episode. As we continue our journey to Kenya, we'll look forward to seeing and hearing all of the special additions uh, to our episodes very soon. Thank you and good night.